Last time on the Bestow Curse podcast, our heroes journeyed home across a city descending into chaos to protect the people and places they love. Will their newly found powers be enough to protect them from the anarchy that has broken out across Corvosa? The Cursed Campaign continues now. Hello and welcome back to Bestow Curse. Guys, we had a crazy episode last week and a level up, which is a lot different for for most of us at the table because most of us started playing in first edition and then leveled up in second edition for the first time on air last episode. And I was thinking of like the big differences between 1E and 2E in terms of like leveling up in general and you don't have stuff like base attack bonus anymore you don't have different save bonus tracks and that kind of thing 2e is all based on proficiency and so there's like i mean you all know the trained expert master legendary proficiencies that give you scaling bonuses but everything as long as you're trained in it scales with your level so you guys should have got a lot better at a lot more things at level two than you would as a Pathfinder first edition character. Yes. My perception <laughs> exploded Did it? from a plus four to a plus five. Nice. Well, not, that's just your, that's just your one level. You know? Yeah. You, Hell yeah. You I mean, level this stuff. you didn't have to invest anything into it though. Right. It's just nice. Free. It's free. free. You don't have to spend a skill rank. Mm-hmm. in perception, every level, like every first edition character it's, does. It's definitely a lot different than, first edition in that I'm used to leveling up and just like spraying skill points all over my sheet. Now that I say that sounds really gross, (laughs) (laughs) but like, that's kind of how it felt where you just kind of pick and choose what you want to do. And you can, certain characters can really blow up certain skills at a much different rate than it appears you can in 2E. Yeah, it's a lot more limiting, I think. in I mean, just in terms of how you access being trained in new skills is a lot more limited than it is in 1st Edition. In 1st Edition, you could kind of just spread and be a little bit good at, a, at every skill. And now it kind of forces you to specialize at least a little bit, which I think your party has done a pretty good job with, if I'm if I'm not wrong, uh, and kind of spreading out where what you're good at so that everybody is good at something and you don't overlap too much. One of the things that I really like about it is that in one of the martial characters that really didn't get a lot of like skill points in, in you know, that was a thing that we're like, you, you couldn't devote a lot of stuff into this. But in Tui, even though you are kind of locked into some things, you have choices that you can make that will just give you extra skills that you can be kind of good at. So like, even though I'm like, I'm a barbarian, like I to level two, I just, I took an archetype that got me trained in like occultism and medicine too. So I'm always going to have those as little extra proficiencies I've got. And really depending on your stats, like as long as you're trained in it, you have a pretty decent bonus to it at this point. I mean, unless you're trained in a skill that's based off of a stat that you have, maybe have a penalty in, yeah. you're going to be pretty decent at it. Which again is a big difference from one. If we're comparing apples to apples here, we're you know in our, mainline show my character is built around skill points right i've got 
hundreds and hundreds of skill points on my sheet. Whereas like the cleric in our party has like 40, maybe. <laughs> like, total. Not many. <laughs> at, at level like, 11. <laughs> like you, you certainly specialize more in 2E, but it feels like I'm good in certain things and other people supplement by being good at other things. It's instead of having one character that's just amazing at everything and late in the game, everyone else is just like skill points don't really matter for most of this stuff. The paths that like your different classes unlock proficiencies, like not even skills, but like all the other things about their class is really cool too. Cause you, you can take a look at a class and see when they're going to get good at certain things and kind of plan around that Because people. I mean, our saves are scaling differently depending on what classes we got and all that other stuff, you know? Yeah. It's interesting in 2E, you add your class level to your skills as well, which in, in Pathfinder 1E, that does not happen. It's just more, you get that generic plus three if your class is trained in it, plus the uh, whatever your bonus is and how many ranks you have. So it's interesting to me that in 2E, you could come in at level five and suddenly pick up a skill that you've never, ever used before using some sort of dedication feat. And suddenly it's right there with the rest of your skills versus being fairly low still because that's a very different thing in 1e if you were to invest skill points in at like level five you're gonna be fairly low well and it's it's also very interesting because the proficiency system unlock like unlock skill feats there are skill feats that are gated behind being a master in acrobatics for instance that like you need to build towards these skill feats that you didn't really have to build towards before in first edition which is kind of cool yeah, it also unlocks and makes some of the skill feats you take even better. Because if you're like a master in acrobatics, then like with Titan Wrestler, you can do three size categories larger than uh, you instead of just two mm-hmm. if you're not. So it's kind of nice that it can also help scale some of those feats you potentially take really early on in the game. I remember like the like the first few weeks of the system, I was really looking at how you could get your like proficiencies the quickest because yeah. like like in in skills at least it feels like they really gate you at like trained until you get to a certain level unless you're playing like a, a skill class like a rogue or investigator but i was looking for all those like there are a couple different archetypes that if you're already trained in a skill and it would it would have trained you in it this new thing that you take you become expert instead and like you can i think level two is the soonest you can make that happen mm-hmm. if you're playing free archetype or something like that but it's kind of cool looking at that and just playing around with different ways you can build up a high high skill or like a you know, high, high point value. That's a crazy bonus, too. I mean, being an expert in something at level two is huge. It's a plus four to whatever you were using. So from level one to level two, if you took something like that, you're, you're plus three higher in that skill, whatever it was. Yeah. None of us is expert in a skill yet, right? We're all just trained. I'm only expert in a save, not a skill same likewise yeah okay but it's interesting that everything follows that pattern i think that's cool too like with saves or with like that's what differentiates a fighter is they get legendary martial weapon proficiency which makes them crit a whole ton and without the proficiency system your fighter and barbarian and one e have the same base attack bonus your fighter got a lot more feats but for the purposes of hitting you are roughly the same yeah i can still crit good i just have to roll better you certainly can and and like a barbarian gets benefits of a ton of extra damage yeah yeah. you know so it's the the playing field is balanced but it's kind of cool that the proficiency system kind of creates these classes really it's like a it's a roadmap for each class 
I'm ready to hit some stuff with my level two. Yeah, you, are you guys excited with your level two characters? Excited to play? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got a, yeah. a big pool of health now. Not afraid to go down so quickly. Uh, so afraid, but yes. <laughs> so big pool of health is generous. <laughs> yeah. Wait, are you guys not getting big pools of health? Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. You He's have, got a couple extra buckets over that. <laughs> He's got 10 more health than I do. <laughs> well, everybody is probably above 20, though, now, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Life Oracle, you Oh, you're going to be beefy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's, your, what's your health look like now? 32. <sighs> and, nice. and Diego's? 38. Jeez. Extra two when I raged. A little temporary health. Yeah, the temporary oh, hit wow. points, too, are great. So, yeah. I mean, Vec, you're not going to hopefully get hit too much of the time, I, but... I don't really plan to get hit and done. I don't really like it. <laughs> I don't really like that. I like, to, <laughs> I like to deal damage to myself and heal somebody. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sitting at 28 and Figgy's at 24. Still pretty respectable. Mm-hmm. Sylvie has 30, so. It's weird that okay. our, our main frontliner has the lowest health in the party. I know, right? It's super weird. <laughs> Figgy should have higher health. He makes up for it in style points. Mm, <laughs> fair. Figgy's going to crit this episode. I can feel it. He's going to crit on something. I don't know. We need to get Figgy Panache. I feel like he he earns it. He kind of yeah. He, he's a, he's really a swarthy kind of a bad. Always in that state. Don't they? Doesn't he get uh, something similar to rage later on? Is that something badgers get? Possibly, but definitely not right now. Well, yeah, not right now. I have almost not, Figgy did not get much better. Realistically, he's a he's a slow learner. He'll get there. Well, when last we met our heroes, they were all separated. <laughs> and we, had, well, two of you were at Eel's End, but really you're kind of in the Heights, in Old Corvosa. I mean, realistically, Vec is not that separated from the rest of the group, but it feels like you're miles apart when given the circumstances of the, you know, the streets being a dangerous place to go. And so I think we need to hand out hero points and I'm not going to do this often, but that level up was one of the coolest level ups I've ever been a part of. So kudos to you guys. I'm giving you each a hero point. Uh, And this hero point is sponsored by Ellie. No way this can make things worse, right? And I don't think there I, is. I would hope not. I would hope not. By getting more hero points. Most of you have two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Haley, you don't have two, right? Do you have two? Yeah. I thought one of you spent one. I have two I, I in my wrong. hand. Okay. That, that's fine. You, you know, know what they what? say? Two in the hand is they... worth more than one in, in the bush. Didn't our hero points like just reset? Yeah. They did in two. 12, actually. Yeah. And you didn't really have to roll much. So Yes. Yes, you should all probably have two. Thank you. I was like concerned. I, th- I was thinking back to when you spent one to try and put out the fire, <laughs> <There it is. laughs> which was a fair, fair expenditure. That was taking a while. So I want to start with Sylvie here. Uh, Sylvie, you have spent a couple of days with Sazzy kind of and, and at your family home, making sure everyone is safe first and foremost, but also learning I guess, learning how to harness some of your arcane powers. And it's been a stressful couple of days, 
but it's been relatively quiet at the Fordyce household. And that might be due to your status as kind of one of the poorer noble families in the Heights. You living on the edge of the Heights has kind of given you a bit of a buffer to what is happening inside. The guard presence is really heavy in the Heights, uh, especially after the first two nights or so where the mobs and the looting was most heavy in this area. But it was more concentrated on those uber-wealthy families. And there was a lot of bloodshed in the process because those families have their own set of guards. It's probably one of the first times Sylvie is actually thankful for not being part of a very wealthy family. And she is also so thankful that she was able to make it back to her family in one piece and be there to watch over and protect them if anything did happen. What is Sylvie thinking about having met face-to-face this somewhat legendary figure? Like, Blackjack came to your aid directly. Yeah. For Sylvie getting to see him in action, actually protecting her and, like, interacting with her was like seeing your hero sort of like she saw this legendary figure that is absolutely amazing in what she is kind of trying to become she wants to be a very skilled fighter and able to dodge around people and just like not get hit dance around through combat Uh, so for her while it was a terrifying situation until he showed up it was kind of inspiring for her to see like if she keeps working and keeps training like she could get to that point and be able to do those things Uh, so that kind of helps motivate her to want to get better and keep training and maybe actually go to class sometime (laughs) you have been training but not necessarily in sword play for for this time what does Sylvie's magic look like now that it's manifesting so sylvie's been reading a lot of her arcane books now with uh, a different eye and also having sazzy there to guide her and actually help shape her spell casting ability she's she's learning how to protect herself and throw up a shield And she's also learning how to use telekinetic projection to attack at range, because that's not something she has a whole lot of abilities with. So together, Sylvie's able to really pick up some new spellcasting cantrips. I like to to think when Sylvie puts up this shield, because the... Fordyce family crest is very much in the shape of a shield that it just like, it looks like the crest when it pops up. I was just going to say, I feel like Sylvie, especially being a swashbuckler, is fairly flashy. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have any specific flourishes that she does? It feels like that's, she's just a very flashy individual a a little bit here with uh, all of her panache and her maneuvers. 
I would think some of that would come through in her magic. Yeah, I mean, she is very proud of uh, the, the 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 family that she's connected to. So having that uh, broken lock with all of the runes around it, especially because she does have the rune patron, makes sense that those are showing up in her shield. And when she throws it up, it doesn't occupy a hand slot. So she throws it up and then she's still able to maneuver and uh, use both of her arms. So it kind of frees her up to be able to do uh, more movement. I think that's such a cool way for a swashbuckler to fight. Yeah. Like if you think about like her throwing up her dueling cape and then just like behind it, like secretly popping a shield up and then she like flourishes around, somebody swings at it and like hits resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes a little bit of uh, damage if she uses that shield reaction. So yeah, she's been been doing some practicing and working with Sazzy. Uh, she's able to get some, start to form more of a connection with him and kind of work out how he can be helpful to the party as well. Yeah, so I don't know if we explicitly stated this, but Sazzy is the familiar you got as a, with the witch dedication. And so while I'm not necessarily giving you the full powers of an imp <laughs> right away, <laughs> Uh, we have agreed to um, kind of allow him to progress as well as you do. So I think that'll be very interesting. But you've you've spent some time studying and practicing, and you feel this renewed, like, ambition. You feel ready after about a week. And it is about, you know, a little past halfway through the week after King Eadred was pronounced dead that things calm down enough that you feel like maybe you could venture out. Um, Your family had been very well supplied with food, so that wasn't really an issue for you. But you have heard through the grapevine, maybe uh, maybe your your family has brought it up at dinner or something like uh, you can see from the heights that ships are turning away from the harbor at Corvosa. Oh. Very few are actually coming into port. And this could potentially be disastrous for for a city that is already ablaze. That does not bode well for those that are living in other areas of the city that are not as well off or able to stockpile food with high concentration of people in one area that's going to get violent and so I think with that in mind you have friends you promised to meet up with in Old Corvosa and I think you would probably head that direction yeah Sylvie would say her goodbyes to her family promise to be back uh, but knowing that they don't really need her that much at the moment and she would pack a little bit of food with her as well to bring to join up with everybody else just she's so far removed at this point she and it's been a whole week she's not sure what state she's gonna find everyone in um and she did say that she would meet back at Mir's shop and was instructed to uh, pull on the rope so yes that's what she'll be ready to do okay you pick like when the sun is highest in the sky like high noon 
to go. Like there are no shadows for anyone to be <laughs> hiding in. It's kind of it, it gets to that stage where at nighttime it's maybe not great to be going out, but you feel pretty confident with a you know a saber on your hip and like an imp <laughs> can like appear <laughs> that you might not get messed with. And so you head to old Corvosa. Let's move over to Vec though, because I think this is going to be a little bit of a different scenario here. Could be. You were not able to stockpile food. Mm-hmm. And I think whatever Trinia was able to bring still wasn't really enough to feed three people for more than three days. And so by midweek, you realize that you're going to run out. You haven't been able to be out and buying your grandfather as medicine yeah. for the same amount of time. What kind of headspace does that put Vec in? So when rations run low, not when they actually run out, but when they start to dwindle and he starts to realize that they're dwindling, if conditions outside haven't improved substantially where he would feel safe to go out quite yet, Vec would just stop eating. He would, He just wouldn't. So Yeah, so I think by like day two, you realize, hey, I can maybe stretch this two more days if I just don't eat. Yeah. And so he's he's given it up so that his grandfather can eat and maybe Trinia has a little extra as well. Sure. I think Trinia is doing something something similar. Like she's pr- preferencing what she bought for uh, your grandfather who mm-hmm. has been having kind of fits through this with all the banging at your door the noise outside he's kind of deteriorating in a way that you haven't really seen him in a while and it's odd because he seems more exuberant more animated in his conversations with you sure because you've been around you've been around for three days he's like He's getting up out of his chair, but he's not with it. And he seems like spooked by this whole thing. And so you're out, you're actually having trouble, like with you not eating for a couple of days and him becoming more and more animated. You're having trouble, like keeping tabs on, like keeping him under control and keeping him in the building. Yeah. He's got to, he's got to watch him and, and keep him confined to a certain spot. Um, when somebody has significant memory loss, like I've described Vex's grandfather as having, like it's that's very difficult to do and to have to continually explain to them why things are bad. Mm-hmm. It's very, you know, when times are good or times are okay, it's very easy just to, you know, keep the day to day going. But if you have to constantly explain to somebody, why we're not able to eat as much and why we're hungry and why I always look like I can't get any sleep. That's difficult. Mm-hmm. How's Trini holding up? You think she's handling it about as best as she could. Mm-hmm. She seems grateful to you for at least the, the, this is safer than her like hovel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even, even though it's kind of a shitty situation here, it's safer than her being in a shack with like a, plywood door essentially Mm -hmm. and um and she's just like she seems like she's stepping on eggshells around you okay why don't you make me a perception check sure 14 you kind of pass her after you've dealt with your 
grandfather for the umpteenth time Mm -hmm. today. And she kind of like reflexively winces back at you when you almost brush shoulders with her uh, just walking past. You get a feeling that she's like afraid of you, like legitimately afraid. Mm -hmm. Trini, is everything okay? Uh, I just think this whole situation is, well, it's... It's taking its toll on my mental state, I think. I just thank you again for for letting me in and let me stay here, just being cooped up in this situation. I don't quite feel right. I, likewise, I I know you saw my outburst the other night. I, I didn't even know that I had that within me myself. It's a difficult situation we're in here. I'm I've seen the city bad. I've had tough times, you can probably tell by where I'm living, but I've never seen it this bad, and well, you can tell that it's been getting to me and my grandfather as well. Do you even remember it, though, Vec? I mean, you you went unconscious, you... Do you remember... Did, did you do it on purpose? What, what do you know? I feel like I had some sort of third-person perspective on my own actions. Like there was some marionette strings holding me up and pushing my arms around. I don't know. It could be that I was in control of my actions, but truly I'm not sure. The the memory itself is hazy. I truly, I, I, I don't know what I am. And it doesn't make lots of sense, right? I venerate a dead god. I get magics of the divine sort. But that doesn't quite check out. If you've ever been healed by a holy man in town, like a cleric or something, I, I attribute them similar to like a controlled burn, right? They've got this fire that burns within them and they can use it in divine incredible ways to stitch wounds back up. Well, me, I can do something similar, but I... I feel as if I'm more of a forced flyer, out of control. <laughs> it's not exactly what I wanted to hear, you know, being in close proximity to you. I, I don't blame you, but I also wouldn't lie to you. Well, I at least appreciate that. Listen, we're going to run out of food. I don't know if you know, but I can almost count your ribs. You're clearly not eating. Not that you were a heavy man to begin with. So you've been looking... Hard not to when you only have one room. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe me, the gravity of our situation has not been lost on me. I say, give it a few more. I don't want to say days, that makes little sense. I'll keep an eye on the street. If things look to clear up in the near future, I can head out and see what I can scrounge about. You know, I understand you're worried about your grandfather here. Mm-hmm. That's. Clearly, he's not doing so well, but have you ever considered you being here as part of what's riling him up? He's only gotten worse in the past couple of days, and everything outside's been calming down a bit, at least as far as I can tell. Trini, this is my home. I'm here all the time. Are you usually here all day? Do you usually spend all your time with him? And and he looks down because that makes him feel a little guilty. Because he feels like he should be watching over this person continuously. I guess, um, no. 
no. I, I guess the answer to that is no. I am not here as much as I should be, and I am not here as much as I would like to be. I'm not trying to guilt trip you in any way, Vec, but I mean, if you're going to go get supplies and stuff, you, I can stay here and I'd like to run up to the shingles, get my at least get the belongings that, you know, that make me money, but at the end of the day, I can paint from my shack as well as I can paint from here. If you can go out and get supplies, I can at least try and keep an eye on him. I've seen you take care of him. It's not... Wouldn't be too much trouble. Yeah, I can head out. I'll take a look about town, see if anything's opened up back yet. If not, I've got friends. Not many of them, but maybe they'd help me out. Yeah, whatever medicine you use for him, you should at least try and find... Uh, so Vec would head out. Yeah. And he knows where to go as well. The Blade and Badger. <laughs> and so that's where I think maybe Sylvie gets there first. Vec comes later in the afternoon, but Sylvie would probably replace the note she finds when it drops out of the draw cord, just in case she's not the first one there. Or just in case she is the first one there. Mm-hmm. And... As you approach Eel's End, you see that DeVargo and company have been utilizing Diego as much as possible. Uh, Diego is literally at the front barricade. It seems that for the ne'er-do-wells of Old Corvosa, seeing nine lives at the front of Eel's End has kind of kept them away. Uh, Diego, it was tough for the first couple of nights, keeping people off the docks. Uh, you may have had to throw one or two over the side, but you didn't see any of them get eaten by eaten by jigsaw sharks, so your conscience can rest kind of easy. But you've been asked to earn your keep by basically being the, the bouncer at the front. You're kind of head and shoulders above a lot of DeVargo's regular guards, and you'd see Sylvie across the dock towards you. Sylvie, I'm I'm very glad to see that you've survived these this this time that we're in. Are, how are you? Are are you okay? Sylvie's face lights up and she's happy to see Diego uh, in one piece and uh, looking pretty good. Diego, my friend, it is a pleasure to see you. I am doing well. My family and I were able to escape most of the trouble. We are not wealthy enough to be worth the trouble. Well, from your perspective, I suppose, but <laughs> not everyone may see that. I'm, I'm very glad that you are safe. Ah, I'm glad you got the note, too, that Mira left for you. Uh, have you seen Vicaris at all? Is he, is he still out and about? I have not seen him yet. I did not run into him at the shop. Has he not stopped by? No, we haven't seen him yet, but uh, there's still time. Situation's perhaps gotten a little bit better, maybe. But Mir will be very happy to see you too. She's, 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 she's. We've got a lot to, uh, a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. I am worried for the state of the city. This is only going to get worse. Yes, it certainly seems that way. I. I would never have thought I would find myself in a, in a state like this, but here we are, you and I and, and Mir and Vec. 
We are quite the group of friends, are we not? You know, before all this started, I may not have described it like that, but yes, I I think so. Where can I find Mia? I would like to say hello. Diego, you know that she's been spending almost all of her time in uh, DeVargo's ship at the end of Eel's End, the largest ship that kind of crosses the end of the dock. Mm. She's in DeVargo's ship uh, down the way. You can't miss it. It's the, the big old one that's floating out there. Thank you for your help, and it is a pleasure to see you. And as you turn to leave, you actually see, coming up on the end of the dock, a much shaggier Vicar Sorelby. Oh, thank God. We hand-waved the perception check for me to find the note. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvie made it more uh, obvious. <laughs> Greatens. Ah. Vec, you, uh, looks like these past few days have really taken a toll on you. Are you, are you okay? Do you, can, can we get you anything? While well, I love the last is Lanty, I could use some food, my friend. Brings a smile on my face to see you both here. But we've had a tough time, me, Trinia, and the old grandfather. Diego's going to turn and whistle to, uh, if one of DeVargo's men is within earshot, sure, and yeah. point to him, and start getting that sorted while he's while he's talking to Vec and uh, Bilby. Yeah, you'd be surprised how efficient uh, this has gotten. They really don't want Diego to leave the front barricade. <laughs> they can avoid it. So uh, Diego's taken to kind of whistling or waving for somebody, and they they take care of what he needs up there. That's such a reassured confidence there, like, to just be able to, like, stand there, and you know it's going to be okay. Even though in this group of criminals, you know it's going to be okay because you're bigger and badder, um, essentially. <laughs> well, the thing is, all of DeVargo's men, no matter how time, how many times you try and correct them, Diego, they've taken to calling you nine lives. It would just be something he would have to accept at that point, that that's, that's how big the the myth about him has gotten yeah i feel like at this point you could just as effectively defend the front lines by like sprawling yourself out in a chair and just relaxing because you're <laughs> like you've become so big sit in a chair maul just on my knee yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and so i assume with everybody wanting to go talk to mir you might whistle again and for your replacement they would send like four guys <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you're going to leave, they would send a bunch of dudes to be as effective, and the three of you would head towards uh, the ship at the end of Eel's End. Now, Diego, you're given kind of free reign here, so the the extra guards at the front of the ship kind of wave you in, and you know that at this point, one of the one of the rooms on the ship has actually been converted to be kind of like a triage room. Like it's where Mir is taking care of people that have been hurt. Uh, so you'd think that that'd probably be the best place to find her. Okay. I think you would usher the, uh, the group over there then. Yeah. And if Mir was uh, focusing on someone else who's injured and in the bed, looking away from the door, if she hears anyone's footsteps coming close, are you hurt? Quite the opposite. Speak for yourself, miss. (laughs) Great to hear your voice again. Oh, my friends, I didn't expect you. Uh, Just let me finish up. There's a free bed. You can sit there for now. And she would, you know, finish up whatever she was working on with them and walk over. And Figgy has pitter-pattered from, like, behind one of the curtains in this room. And seeing all of you is just... (laughs) 
does, does he hop up on the bed with the rest of the three of us? Of course she does. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course she does. Uh, yeah, and as Mira finishes up and she starts to walk towards you guys, you almost notice that as even though this is a docked ship and it moves, right, uh, she is absolutely in step with the way that this ship is moving. She is right there with it. Uh, it is as if she is on the most stable of flat ground uh, at this point. She is just in her element 100%. She walks up. Beck, what's wrong with you? Well, looks like you've settled in quite nicely here. It's been a little bit more difficult up in Railby Manor, proper as we call it. Food lasted a couple days. I lasted a couple more, but uh, I need to get some provisions back for Trinia and my grandfather. I don't know if Tavago can spare them, or at least you could point me in the right direction where I might be able to rustle something else up around this town. Diego, did you already send someone to get something for him now? Because he's going to fall over. They're putting something together now. I they should, they should come to me when it's ready. Believe me, I'm at the point where I'm not picky anymore. I have something that might tide you over. And she, like, digs into her backpack and pulls out some, like, bread and some cheese. Nothing fancy, but just, like, food that can be stored and travel. Oh, hell yeah. I love bread and cheese. <laughs> Get this man some protein. <laughs> you get some garlic. You got your cheesy garlic bread right there. That's all you really need. Well, if we can't toast it, then I'm not interested. Okay. <laughs> who's got the Who's got the produced flame? <laughs> well, it it turns out that Eel's End has actually been doing fairly well because you can obviously fish off the dock, and so they've been, they've had a pretty steady supply of fish, enough to feed this group of 80 some people that have kind of settled at the end of the dock. It's got a little tight here, but it really has has felt different than the rest of the city has felt. You you maybe I mean you're from the water vantage point, so you can't even really see everything that's going on in the city. You probably have to rely on Vec and Sylvie to tell you like what's been going on. Um, and what has been going on is that at least in Old Corvosa, the rioting has continued, but much like in the Heights, it has died down a little bit, as most of the shops worth stealing from have been uh, ransacked, and those that haven't have had a presence of, in some areas, actual Corvosan guards, but they're far more sparse than they are in the Heights and in other areas like Blossom Way, enforcers from the various crime lords of the city. It's interesting that the crime lords of the city have kind of had to have their goons prevent crime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Only so that bigger and better crimes can happen later. For Obviously. Yes. <laughs> well, they paid their sin tax, so they're, some oh. of them are allowed to crime. And you're together. So what do you guys want to do? Listen, I, I got to get food back to my people. It doesn't mean I can't come back and I can't re-up our little quest we've got going on here, but I at least need to get the rest of the people that I'm responsible for fed. I think that makes sense. But at some point, we've got to deal with everything we've got. I can't just keep holding on to it. I know, I, I know. You're, Sticky, you're not yeah. wrong. What? You got a stinky, stinky head. head. Stinky head. You got Zalara's head. Oh, oh. I thought <laughs> another week. I, th- 
I thought that was like an expression I didn't understand. No, stinky head. A literal, a literal stinky, head. Head. stinky head. Right. <laughs> head smells bad now. Listen, I don't want to be a stinky head about this. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, over these last days, I can't. I keep coming back to the things that we found in that in that place of lambs, and it, at some point, I think we ought to do something about it. Not what I don't know, but something must be done. Well, what do we got? We've got the knife of a killer, we've got the brooch of a queen, and we've got the ledger of a criminal. And a head. And a stinky head. <laughs> we may not want to keep the head anymore, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, I honestly think you guys could probably say, like, Zalara got eaten by the crocodile. <laughs> we found evidence of yeah. that. Maybe we don't have to keep the head. We should hang on to the head just in case it's relevant to the plot <laughs> later. I'm... I'm not one for books myself or anything, but I know enough about the criminals and their dealings to know that, that ledger might have evidence that ties other people to Lamb's crimes. Over these days, I keep thinking that we could strike out at them in the same way that we struck at Lamb out. Take down his whole organization on our own. Sylvie's eyes light up and glitter at the talk of vigilantism <laughs> we could take matters into our own hands and clean up the city ourselves can we really trust it to anyone else I think we've got to be careful with that I personally I can't bring it back to Eel's End and Diego now you're well acquainted with Eel's End if you bring back anything that's going to damage what's kept us safe I think if we're going to do this it wouldn't be a bad thing to at least notify the guard or try to make it so that we're in control of the situation. We also should scrub that ledger of anything having to do with the Vargo. I have gone to the guard before for the crimes that Lamb had committed and they pushed me aside. This ledger may be enough to have them take us seriously but we must proceed with caution they must be very busy with the city in chaos I agree but if we can at least tell them maybe they'll understand when we start committing crimes cause that's what it'll turn to that'll be us we'll be the ones who are committing crimes and I don't want the guard to come after us when we're just trying to protect our city right 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 at least give us the plausible deniability that we at least talk to them first before we start taking the law into our own hands. And I don't really want to pay a sin tax. <laughs> Neither do I. Hmm. You bring up good points. These are. Perhaps there is another way to go about this. Like approved vigilantism. That's <laughs> what I'm looking for. <laughs> it's hard to find without a sin tax. Hmm. Um, and they're desperate enough. Yeah, so you have several items here i think just for the short term vec uh, reef call run market mm -hmm. couldn't afford to continue to be closed sure uh, so it is open you have some items that are worth a substantial amount of gold plus a substantial amount of gold compared to when you started this campaign mm -hmm. you could easily buy like weeks worth of medicine and food with the okay. kind of money you have okay um so i would say like if you knock like two gold off your sheet, you could say that they're 
set for, and you you know you can do this in any combination between you you want, but um, you could say that like those that you care for are set up for several weeks. I am totally fine hand waving that. Works for me. I would rather do that than have to worry about this constantly. Sylvie, your your family is probably fine, but you know, if you're worried about their safety, you could probably do the same similar thing in a different way, like hire an extra person for a couple of weeks to defend the house for a while. Uh, Diego, you haven't been across to Trails End. At this point, you certainly could. The If you did it during the day, the city seems safe enough during the day. But you did kind of get the, hey, we're okay out here from, uh, from Thousand Bones on that first night. So if you want to kind of more pursue figuring out all of the stuff that you that you have that that could um you know that could certainly wait yeah i I think he would continue to meditate to try to reach out to thousand bones in the in the preceding days and if anything did come up that maybe they are in trouble or something he would go ahead Mm -hmm. it would be good to go head over to him but right now i mean this seems pressing yeah it seems like from what he's been telling you uh over the past couple of nights trails end has kind of avoided most of the struggles that are happening in the city because it is pretty decently far out of the city. Nice. He's just happy to hear from you, basically, is what it sounds like. It sounds like all his diplomatic stuff has kind of ceased because it's really not safe for Shawanti. For normal, like, Corvosans, maybe you can get away with it in the day. He's not willing to risk uh, himself or Gakin, like, even trying. Ah, they're on work from home. (laughs) Work from home, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um... You know, Mir, you had mentioned your mother and being worried about that situation. Yeah, she's much further south in Corvosa. Is there any way that over these past few days, I'm sure I would be asking if anyone's heard news. Mm-hmm. How, what do I know like about that area? Is it? Is she? In, should I be worried? So your mother does live on the south end of Endrin Isle, so it's still old Corvosa. However, I think that the information being gathered by the folks on Eel's End kind of extends around Old Corvosa, and so you could probably, you know, pay off one of one of DeVargo's men to like, hey, this is the address, can you stop by and check? And they would say that your mother's not home. She's just not there? Does it, does it look like she hasn't been there for a while? That's what they would report. Doesn't look like the house has been broken into or anything, it just they knocked. There's no lights on. Like there's no candles in the the windows. Uh, there's no response. They tried the door. It was locked, so they didn't attempt to break in. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I misspoke earlier. She works in the south part of Corvosa. She's on the south side of the Indranal, as far as where she lives. But she works in the south side of Corvosa. So I guess that's very concerning. Mir Mir would want to go there herself at that point. She'd probably ask for some support. If that's something you would like to do now that everybody is together, you that would probably be the safest bet for you. Okay. Now that everybody's here. You probably heard about that like two days ago. But she's not home. Okay. Yeah. If everyone is here, it sounds like we need to get food to Vex's grandfather and go see if my mom is okay. Um... 
So we could just drop it off and then head straight down. That, yeah. that could go with, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. Yep. I guess I could ask. I just, just kind of assumed. <laughs> <laughs> we would take the ledger with us, too, right? Take any of the stuff yeah. that you want to take. I, I think that it would make sense for us to keep on our person and not in the hands of our friendly friend criminals <laughs> any of those items realistically because although it is uh, Mir feels safe on Dvargo's ship and knows that people are generally respect her and Diego it's also a situation where they're guests at- yeah. mm-hmm. but you do hear like the guards as you guys kind of walk by oh nine lives you, you're leaving it's so much easier when you're on duty you can hold the fort down until I'm back. I, I believe in you all. Oh, we can. It's just... All right. Have a safe time. And you... You know, you, you, would, you would arrive early afternoon. It is mid-afternoon now as you make your trek down Eadrid Isle. We drop food off? Yes. You, you could easily go to Reef Ball Run Market, drop some food off. Uh, no one bothers you with, you know, the, the four of you at this point look rather intimidating uh, so no one has bothered you although the streets are kind of more lively than they were in terms of like the everyday folk moving about uh, people are starting to at least get back to a semblance of hey I need to go to the market and get some food like I need to do something so it's not all just violence in the streets like it was that first night. Uh, you would actually pass Orsini Academy on your way down and Sylvie you'd see posted on the door that uh, class is cancelled until further notice. However <laughs> Emily has a huge smile <laughs> Getting out of class All it took was a citywide riot However you would hear kind of three blocks down a large group of people uh, that are getting into, it seem to be inciting something. As you approach, you hear shouts of, Bet you never worked an honest day's wage in your life, eh, Queen's man? Your brother had his arm crushed by a barrel on the docks when he was younger than you. Want to know what it feels like? There are six... People with shovels and torches surrounding someone you've all seen. You remember Eamon Jalento, your classmate? Mm-hmm. He looks like he had been coming from Orsini Academy and currently has a rapier out, kind of clanging against these, these shovels and stuff that are being swung at him. Go ahead and place yourselves on the map. All right. Save a classmate. So you all can see this mob surrounding Eamon Jalento, and he kind of ducks and weaves and looks past at you, and he can he sees Sylvie right away. Sylvie, help! Uh, what do you guys do? Sylvie calls out to him and also the mob, My friend, your rescue has arrived. And... She's going to pull out her kukri and she's going to be ready to uh, try to fend off the mob. Okay. What's everybody else doing? Feck is going to shout at them to stop. Uh, 
Hey, my friends, hands off this innocent gentleman, or else we're going to have some words with you. Depending on if that works or not, Diego is going to take them all in both hands and menace them, saying, looks like you're, you've outnumbered this man. If you know what's good for you, you'll stop now. Mir would also speak up here. I'm not in the business of harming, but I can't say the same about nine lives and <laughs> my friend Figgy, <laughs> as she uh, has Figgy, like, you know, bare his teeth a Figgy's little. Figgy's just... Right, yes, perfect. And okay. uh, name drops nine, nine lives. <laughs> Those of you... Uh, Vec, yours was a little bit impartial, so I'll allow you to roll a diplomacy or intimidate. Sure. Mir, if you want to aid then I would allow you to aid Diego. Diego, yours is obviously an intimidate. For Sylvie, you're just going to roll straight. Uh, well, I guess you could roll a diplomacy too. You were kind of, I feel like you were You're kind of being like, hey, we're here to back you up. So yeah. you could roll a diplomacy if you want. We'll see. We'll see what these these mean. I'm not going to try to help anybody. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, ridiculous. You just want to roll perception as your initiative. Sure. I have a plus zero to all of those things. Yeah. I'm going to call it at a diplomacy. That and intimidate are exactly the same, and I don't feel like I was particularly intimidating. I did roll a 19 on the die, so that's a 27. Okay. 14 on diplomacy. 14 on diplomacy. 12 for intimidate. 12 for intimidate. Uh, Vec, your diplomacy has the two in the back take off down the alley. Uh, We're going to use those rolls as your initiative. I got a 22. Okay, Vec, you shout out to this mob and two of them peel off. You are the first to act. He's going to focus his attention on one of them. All right, now you get two. And I will be using two actions to cast a spell called Daze, which I've used before. I am definitely close enough to use this. So, Griffin, I am going to need a will save. Okay, that's pretty decent, actually, a 19. A 19 is a success for half damage. The thing about Daze, it is non-lethal. However, it's not a lot of damage. It's just my casting modifier, which is a plus four. Half of that is two points of non-lethal damage. And then- you're targeting which number? Number three right here. And then he's gonna look over at Sylvie and go, well, he's your friend. Go help him. And cast a little guidance on her. Ooh, thank you. Okay, so since you've dealt non-lethal, I want to explain a house rule that we're using because this isn't necessarily the actual interpretation of the non-lethal damage rules in second edition. Uh, But I think it's a little harsh. uh, And I know this is the kind of situation where you guys probably don't want to be killing people. So I will be tracking non-lethal damage and regular damage separately in the sense that I'm going to have a tally of non-lethal and a tally of lethal. And instead of in 2E where it really just depends on the last hit and how much damage that last hit does and whether that's non-lethal or lethal to determine whether they die or go unconscious, I'm going to say if you have dealt non-lethal damage to them and they go down, you can have knocked them unconscious. Awesome. Yeah. So like if the combination of non-lethal and lethal damage totals up and it wouldn't like kill them, kill, like, double kill them or whatever, uh, then they will fall unconscious instead of die. Mir, you're up. I don't fully understand how non-lethal. Vec just did non-lethal to one person, so if he's tracking that, if you're 
if you do lethal damage to it, it doesn't kill him, he will just go Yeah, I understand. It's just that's one of four. You can take a minus two circumstance penalty to the attack roll when you make a non-lethal attack using a weapon that doesn't have the non-lethal trait. So if you wanted to fire your bow into their ankle, you could do that at a minus two circumstance penalty. However, with a spell, spells are lethal unless they say otherwise. So if you electric arc somebody, it's going to deal lethal damage. It's electricity. Okay. With that, Mir will pull out her bow and try to shoot someone's arm and not ankle because I want them to run away. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. So I have a minus two on this to do non-lethal damage. So because I'm trying to aim at like an arm, that's harder. Okay, are you staying where you are? I guess I could take a step sideways. If you took a step sideways, it'd be much easier for you to aim, I would say. Right now, you're firing through your six foot eight cat folk friend, which uh-huh. will give you a uh, a minus one because of cover. Okay, yeah. So I will step sideways uh, so that I'm right behind Figgy. Okay, so you guys have lined up and you're like filling the alley, and these guys are in kind of a widened part of the alley on the street surrounding your friend. You just like take a step, line up a shot. How'd you do? 13. Meets beats. Oh, nice. All right. Five points of non-lethal damage. Now, which one are you firing at? I was firing at six, which is the other furthest one away. Each one of these is numbered. When I had two run away, I pulled away four and five because they were the furthest back. So now we have the vo- the very logical one, two, three, and six. One, two, three, <laughs> six. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so I fired on six. That would be uh, all three actions as I had to step, pull out, and then shoot. And with a 13, or at least that's what it sounds like the AC is, uh, Chris, you might be able to hit this combat. Wow! I know, right? (laughs) Well, don't jinx me. (laughs) So Eamon has his sword out. He is going to attempt to tumble through here. Now that you've created an opening for him, it's a lot easier for him to get around. He doesn't have to move through several of them. Uh, but as he tumbles through, he kind of gets a little bit tripped up and doesn't manage to move. So he, seeing the arrow fly at this one, he's hoping to create an opening. But much like you, he doesn't want to kill these people. So now he's going to swing. So with that last action, he didn't actually move on the board? He didn't move because he failed his okay. tumble through. He was trying to tumble through him. Meets beats. He hits this guy, dealing... Seven points of non-lethal damage, which knocks that guy out. Nice. He knocks six out, and with that, he's going to run run kind of out of this mob so he's not surrounded. So he'll move 20 feet back, uh, kind of waving Sylvie uh, with his sword. <laughs> Thank you for the help. Uh, let's take them out together. And it's Sylvie's turn. As he runs away, it makes him feel really good about himself. <laughs> I knocked one of them down. I know, but... Yeah, let's take them out together. Bye. <laughs> Again, one of my favorite lines from the movie Kung Pao. You go that way. I'll go home. <laughs> uh, so Sylvie calls out in response, we can make quick work of them. And she is going to stride up, use her second action to tumble through. All right, go ahead and roll me in acrobatics. Don't forget your guidance. Oh, I yes. Like thank you. Yes, I would. Uh, that is a dirty 20. Dirty 20 beats their reflex DC, and you've successfully tumbled through and entered Panache. Awesome. All right. So uh, she is holding her 
kukri, but instead of attacking with it, she sweeps her leg and tries to trip this first mobster. Okay. Uh, that is a 14 uh, against their reflex DC. He topples over. All right. Put him on his side. No, leave him there. <laughs> As she calls down to him, this combat is over. All right. Diego. Diego is raging at the inequality of this combat. <laughs> and with a sudden charge, he'll move directly up to the one that got tripped. Oh, we get to see some sudden charge in action. Maul in hand, we're about 35-ish, 40 feet away from him. And he is going to take his maul, and with the very top part, he is going to like thrust it into their stomach. Not lethally, like, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can try and knock the wind out of him. Yeah, knocking the wind out. I'm not swinging down with the, sure. the big flat part. So just make sure you factor in the minus two from attempting a non-lethal. Yep. 19. 19 definitely hits your prone target. All right, that's going to be 10 points of non-lethal damage. 10 points of non-lethal damage knocks him out. Nice. nice. That's my turn. All right. The mob member number three is going to run at Eamon still. So it's going to move there with the first action. It's going to swing. Ooh, it's going to critically miss. It's going to swing again. Ooh, that's a natural one. So misses twice against Eamon. This one in front of Sylvie is going to attempt to demoralize Sylvie. That might do it. 21. And what is that against? That is against your will, DC. Ooh, yeah, that does it. Okay, so you were frightened one. Then he is going to attack at you with a sickle. Looks like a kind of like a maybe a farming tool. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. That's a natural 20. Oh, oh, no. And I believe a like a 20 would hit you normally, right? Yes, it would. Yeah, so I don't even need his bonus there, so let me get some damage here. I should have... Oh, no, if I had nimble dodged, it still would have been the same. Cause, it's still going to be a crit, yep. yeah. Yep. It, he's, he has a bonus to hit. I was just, oh, I was just okay. thinking of yep. like, okay, well, if he rolled a 20 and he, has a, he still has a bonus to hit, he definitely crits you. That is 10 points of slashing damage. Ooh. So rude. And then he's going to attempt to grab you. So this will be against your fortitude DC. Oh my God. This is two natural 20s in a row. Oh, uh, not wow. fair. Does a 20 grab you? Uh, and it's a fortitude, fortitude DC. DC. Yes. Okay. So because it does grab you, you are critically grabbed, which means you are immobilized and pinned I restrained restrained so the only actions you can take are to escape on your next turn it's it's pretty brutal okay so you've been restrained here by this member of the mob it's Vec's turn Vec you saw Sylvie just like get slashed and then this guy Mm -hmm. grabs her and kind of like pushes her to the ground oh for the love of the gods all right here we go so Vec moves forward about 25 feet and then thinking back to earlier in the week when he touched his face and it healed him, he reaches out, he extends a hand, if I could just be a little closer, but it doesn't matter because he enacts his reach spell ability and spending his third action casts Lay on Hands as a focus spell. So immediately 
you're going to heal six points of damage. You are also going to gain a plus two status bonus to your AC for one round. Oh, that's awesome. Man, that's Thank some you. Real, real meta magic, you know? <laughs> you got me. And move, meta magic, cast is three turns. Yes. Mir. Mir has her bow out, is very not pleased by the fact that he grabs Sylvie. And weirdly enough, you have about the straightest shot you could possibly have. <laughs> I absolutely do. We did make this like little perfect corridor. Yeah, it's like you yes. can fire right over Figgy's right next to you. And uh, all right, let's see. Keep your hands off of her as she fires her longbow. Hopefully at his hand, although it goes wildly far off with a natural one. Okay. So she's going to try and shoot it again. Sounds good. Are you doing this non-lethally or lethally? plan was non-lethally. Okay. Okay. With a 17 on the die, I, I will hit it because that's over 13 still. Okay. Since that's only a minus one for me to do non-lethal. So. Okay. So it would be 16 total. That yes. definitely hits. Let's get some damage here. I have eight damage. Eight non-lethal damage. What number is this against? Two. Two. It is against the one that is grabbing my friend. I was not pleased by that. So, uh, I shot at it. Nope. He's still there. Oh. Eight. Okay. But it looks like it hurt him immensely. <laughs> it should have. Good. Um, that is two actions, so I guess technically I could try for a 20. You could try for a 20. <laughs> Crits happen. Use lethal damage on this one. You've done not lethal, lethal so on me. wouldn't kill him. That's true. I will use lethal. He's now pissed me off. Uh, except I just, I can't make it there. It's not a natural 20. I, I was kind of figuring that Well, it's happen. only a 13, so it doesn't have to be a natural 20. What it go to? Um, it did not go that high. I rolled a seven on the die. Yeah, yeah, okay. Minus I was just, just going to say, you four. could get like a 18 and it would still hit. I have a minus four, so. Yeah. Mm. Almost a double critical fail. <laughs> Beautiful. It's Eamon's turn. He sees the trouble Sylvie's in and Sylvie had just come to his aid. So he's going to tumble through this guy, makes it to the other side to be next to Sylvie. No, he's going to be, yep, right there. And just winds up with his offhand and tries to punch this guy in the face. (laughs) That should do it for him. Yep. He hits, dealing... Ooh, is that right? (laughs) He must really want to help you. He deals eight points of non-lethal and, like, cold cocks this guy. He, He lights out for this guy. And... Then he, I think he shouts out to the to the final person. Not so tough now that you're one against five. Maybe is that badger count? One against six. <laughs> the odds have shifted. And he's gonna try and intimidate that guy and fails. <laughs> but he did okay thus far because he didn't include Figgy. Well, I wasn't sure. Yeah, he wasn't strong enough up. in that. Yeah, yeah. tripped him up. Next in the order is Sylvie. Sylvie, you're no longer restrained, so that's a good thing. And being critically grabbed doesn't actually knock you to the ground, so you're currently good. All right, is she still Frightened 1? Frightened 1 lapses at the end of your turn. Okay. Has anyone dealt non-lethal damage to... Someone has. Perfect. This was the first guy Vec dazed. He's two points down. He's basically on death's door. (laughs) Well, if non-lethal damage has already been dealt, Sylvie's upset now because she was doing 
uh, like <laughs> non-lethal tripping and got slashed and grabbed. So she's a little upset now. The old slash and grab. <laughs> <laughs> it's bringing her back to the to the old man. He's back. Uh, so she is going to stride up, still in her state of panache. And with that move, she's actually going to try to tumble through this one square and kind of like just end up um, on the other side. Just flexing on him now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Flexing. Might not do it with a 10. 10 does not do it. All right. So her movement stops there. So uh, it's a little unfortunate because she was going to make him flat footed against her, but that's okay. She will now slash out with her kukri and she's going to do it with a little extra flourish, trying to use her finisher. He is never going to mechanically recover from this. I'm calling Let's it. Let's see. He, he might actually die. Uh-oh. Uh, well, maybe not. So that's only a 11. Well, you do have a hero point. Two of them, in fact, if you'd like to use it. It's just the villager. But you are angry. So I guess it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I would argue that this would be a massive waste yeah. of your Agree. It would be kind of fun, but... Uh, just because she used her finisher, she still actually does some damage. So she's not going to oh. lose the hero point. Yeah. She does half of her uh, finisher pre- precision damage. I forgot that was something swashbucklers do with their finisher. That's yeah, so that's nice. the uh, the failure condition is you do. So you don't waste the whole thing. Yes. So half the 2d6. Let's see. All right. That would have been eight damage. So half is four lethal damage as she does a spin tries to slash him, but only kind of like nicks his arm. Diego. Diego strides up and he tells the villager, if you ever recover from this, know that it was nine lives who did this to you. He's going to intimidate him. Okay. Nice. I like how he's leaning in. Yeah, he's really leaning into it now. That's an eight total to intimidate. Uh Doesn't intimidate him. (laughs) So with that intimidate, I'm guessing I don't hit with this strike that I'm about to do. No, I do 19, 17 non-lethal. Yep, that'll still hit. 11 points of damage. Yep, full <laughs> ass unconscious there. Yay! And Eamon Jolento would, uh, would kind of like panting, uh, he shakes his knuckles because he just like, he's got <laughs> bloody knuckles from hitting this guy square on the nose. And he would turn to you. <laughs> so I think you saw class is canceled. It is quite unfortunate for you. It looks like you could use a few more lessons. <laughs> <laughs> I got a good hit in you. Were the one, you were the one that got grabbed by him. Ah, <laughs> uh, looks like we could both use more lessons. Well, I appreciate the help. Um, how, how's your family holding up in the, in the heights? They are doing as well as they can. We are well supplied and have been spared from much of the chaos. How are yours? Mine are as good as they could be. Um, I thought maybe with things dying down and some of the markets opening up, the <laughs> class might be on, so I came out. I figured I could use a little bit better self-defense these days, uh, but ran into this mob of people. It's really not safe for folks like you and I to be walking around with family crests and things on. Yes, I have been thinking of hiding mine, but I do have a group of strong friends that have been able to have my back. 
You should only travel with others, never alone. Well, so I've learned, it seems. Uh, the real thing was that, you know, the heights have kind of died down during the day. I wasn't really sure how bad it is over here. I haven't seen a guard for several blocks. Do you know what's going on? Do we know what's going on here? Not really. Okay. We have just arrived in this area. In the heights, it did seem there were more guards, but maybe they would be spread too thin out here? Yeah, strange. You would at least speak up. If I'm being honest, we don't usually have many guards to begin with, so I'm not shocked we have less. It could be Castle Corvosa. You've seen him. They're kind of all over the place. Um, both the castle guards and the city guards are being used to guard the castle. I do wonder how Queen Iliosa's holding up. Hasn't shown her face publicly since Eadrid's death, but haven't really had a reason to head to the Grand Mastaba to see for myself. Not very reassuring for a leader to not speak in a time of crisis like this. Well, to be fair to Iliosa, I guess, if she deserves much fairness, uh, she never really made rules, you know? She wasn't really... Uh, she was a leader in title, but Eadrid was the leader in in principle, at least. She's probably, probably just getting used to everything. And with her husband's death, it can't be easy. Right, well, she better get used to it right quick, because the rest of us are really hurting without law on these streets. I mean, maybe somebody ought to tell her, then. From your ivory towers, it's quite difficult to see what's happening at street level. I mean, you could already see from Sylvia myself, didn't couldn't have known what was happening on Eadrid Isle. Do you think anyone like us could actually get through to someone like her to even get close to an audience? I've, you know, I've seen groups of, I don't, I don't really know the right word, mercenaries, essentially, um, being granted access. If we see the shortage of guards over here, maybe, maybe she sees a need to at least speak with uh, well-intentioned someone in the castle, at least, is Speaking with well-intentioned, um, I guess, muscle, your friends certainly look the part. If you were to go with them, maybe, I mean, maybe, or if you have some other way in. We were already acting under a similar role in other parts of the city. It would be good to get proper uh, clearance for for this. And I think it'd be easier to ask for pay that way. Mercenaries are paid. We are currently doing it just to help our city. Pro bono, as they say. <laughs> Which I think is the right thing to do, but if there's an option to get compensated for doing what her guards are lacking, I think that's where we should go. Besides getting closer to someone who's close to the queen, I think we got something that she might be interested in. That would help us get on her good side. Right, right, right. Well, I'll tell you what, um, whenever this clears up at least a little bit, I'll buy y'all a drink. Really appreciate the help, but I'll keep in here to the ground too. I'll at least hear what's happening in the Heights. If you need intel there, things get rather boring without class. Looks like for these fools on the ground, class was in session. <laughs> Quite right. <laughs> if you could keep an eye on my family too, I would appreciate it. I do not know how often I can check in on them. Oh, no trouble at all. Um, if you want me to check in a few times, happy to. But if... Um, <laughs> It seems as the sun goes down, it's going to get more dangerous, so I may as well head home. Um, do keep me posted if uh, if you hear from 
Headmaster Orsini, or uh, any of our other classmates if class is back on. Uh, but sign didn't really seem to give us a timeline, did it? No, it did not. I cannot miss any more classes. I will let you know as soon as I learn they are back in session. I'll let you know if I hear anything <laughs> as well. Um, yes, if you're if you're ever in the heights, though, hit me up. We'll uh, we'll head to head to a tavern, have a drink, uh, <laughs> talk about all of this. And maybe some of it will have blown over by then. Uh, but but thank you all again so much. Um, and he would notice the scroll tube in your pack. Because oh. uh, you kind of have it like tied mm-hmm. inside of your pack. Sylvie, you're not involved with the Arconas, are you? She looks back at the scroll case. I am not. I could not put my finger on the family crest. What do you know of them? They're, they're the only noble family that lives over here on, on Endrin Isle. It'd be shady dealings if you're hanging out with them. They seem to, from what I've heard, they have some sort of ties to the uh, Cerulean Guild, Thieves Guild. I don't know if they collect sin taxes or what they what they do, but um, if you've ever met Glorio, he seems a nice enough guy. I've been to a few get-togethers that he, he was a part of. I never really talked in depth with the man, but he seems an alright sort. Honestly, with all the trouble out here, I'm sure I'm sure he's as frustrated as anyone on the island that there's not a guard presence, or not much of one. Then again, he's probably got his own goons watching out for uh, for his estate. He does seem to have a fair few goons. We got this off of an unsavory character. She was causing some trouble. Hmm. Hmm. What kind of trouble? How well does <laughs> Sylvie know him? Could I do like a... I would allow you to do a society check. Okay. Just a normal amount of trouble. Or, or you could... <laughs> Trade war. You could certainly <laughs> also do a perception check to sense motive on like his interest. I'll do... Oh, I mean, they're, they're the same for me. So. Um, I'll do perception to sense his interest. Can mirror... Ooh, I rolled a 19 for a 25. Awesome. You know that the Gelento family is kind of a minor noble family as well, and you're getting the gist that he, you know, from his kind of interactions at the Frisky Unicorn, just casually hanging out there to talk to foreign nobles and, like, him knowing stuff here, he probably cares about, like, Informate any information mm. you can gather from noble families. So you you would know him kind of like, as like a gossip in okay, like not not necessarily a gossip that's like telling other people about stuff, but he certainly asks a lot of questions. He'd be the type to blackmail if he could. Like that's what I'm hearing. Potentially, yeah, yeah. You think yeah. you think it, it just seems like he he would value this information. Like he it almost looks like he has like a twinkle in his eye when he when he asks. Oh, Sylvie's well aware of uh, the rumors that can spread through through nobles. But she doesn't want to give all this information up because uh, we don't really know where all of this is going. And she doesn't know him well enough to entrust him with it. So she says, we are still trying to get to the bottom of it. Uh, 
I will find out more later. Very well then, Sylvie. Keep your secrets. And with that, he heads off. As we've been talking, Diego has been collecting the various tools and weapons of the villagers and is just going to carry them in a pile to wherever else we go. And And I've been refocusing. Yes. (laughs) Perfect. Sylvie is actually going to turn to the group uh, as we're all kind of gathering things. There's something I need to tell you all. If we are going to speak to higher-ups in in the noble world, I've let you believe that I am established in the noble world, but uh, you know my family is not rich. Quite familiar myself with the fall from grace. You do not have much knowledge in society and have not talked with that big mouth Camilla, so you would have no way of knowing. I... I am a four dice, but I am the illegitimate child of a four dice. I am only a four dice by the nature of my aunt and uncle. They have loved me well and given me all that I could ask for, but... The other nobles, they they know me as a scandal if they know me at all. I do not have much love from other nobles. Well, it seems you're in right good company then. I don't think any of the rest of us are particularly loved by the upper crust here. If it makes you feel any better, I don't really know who my dad is, so it's not uncommon. <laughs> I have not met my father or my mother. Thankfully, my mother, she left me with my aunt and uncle. It was... Was the best. I hope to someday get to know my mother. I think she was a interesting woman. My father, ugh, I do not care to know him. He has never reached out to me, and my family does not even know where he is. He's alive and he is a four dice, though? I do not know and I do not care. He is dead to me. Fair enough. Well, my, my dad and, and my mom, too. Well, well, they're both quite dead as well, so we, we got that in common, I guess. <laughs> It sounds like we all know a little bit of what it's like to not belong somewhere. Says the formerly dead man. (laughs) (laughs) But together, in this place and time, we can still do things that matter. And that's what counts here. And that's why I love you, Diego. You're right. Right on the money. (laughs) I think with that sentiment, we'll continue the curse campaign next time. Whoa! (laughs) Baby! The Bestow Curse Podcast is a Hideous Laughter Productions show. Hideous Laughter Productions is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Curse of the Crimson Throne is copyright 2016. Curse of the Crimson Throne and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. Paizo, Pathfinder, their respective logos, and all Paizo titles, characters, and artwork are properties of Paizo Incorporated and used with permission.